It's my privilege this morning to summarize uh, where we've been going with this Back to the Future series on wisdom. And I really believe that um, Steve McCracken spoke prophetically into this when he was with us. And uh, so often we think of wisdom as being found in the, in the pages of the Bible and the scriptures, and so it is. But I think Steve was really wanting to encourage us that wisdom is found in the character and nature of God. I'm thinking about, you guys are going to have to forgive me, Norman and Kay, because you're like my prophetic image this morning, and I've, oh, I've lost my prophetic image, but I've just found it again, which is good. But, you know, imagine David as he's growing up, and, and uh, Norman and Kay could write all these lists about what David should do, you know, how to brush your teeth, and, you know, how to feed the cat if you've got a cat, and how to cook bacon and eggs if you're allowed bacon and eggs, and all of those sort of things. And, and sometimes we can go to the Bible like that, you know, looking for wisdom. And the Bible does have wisdom for us. But it's no substitute to knowing the character and nature of God. How much better for, for David to know mum and dad's heart? And so, you know, when it comes to the decisions in life, and the Bible doesn't give us wisdom for every situation that we face. I remember when we were trying to decide, Gillian and I struggled with infertility. And no, Gillian, I hadn't planned to say this if you're watching. And um, we, we were struggling with infertility and, and, and uh, we were Bible college students with no money and we got right to the edge of IVF. So this is going back a long time ago now. And uh, $5,000 a cycle it was then. And I'm thinking, oh, but if there are eight fertilized embryos and we have to implant eight at a time and we're going to have quadruplets and we're right in the middle of all of this. And you search the scriptures for wisdom and you don't actually find a verse in the Bible about in vitro fertilization. But if you know something of the character and nature of God, it really helps you in that situation. And if you know our story, God answered prayer in a way that we weren't expecting, and we got to adopt our daughter Catherine. Um, she was 10 days old, and she became part of our family. And I felt God saying at that time, be ready for some adventure. And God wasn't wrong. It's been awesome, and uh, we love her to bits. So we're going to just go on a journey and kind of recap. I've had the privilege of, of watching the full messages um, on YouTube about wisdom in this series. So can I encourage you if, you, if you've missed one, go and have a look at them again. There's some amazing wisdom and revelation there for you. And what I've tried to do is kind of summarize this journey that we've been on under five main kind of themes that I wanted to share with you this morning. The, the big idea this morning is that we need to catch hold of the culture of heaven. And, and the thought that came to me, um, imagine if you're an ambassador. Uh, it might be a little bit tough being a, an ambassador, I would suggest, in South Africa right at the moment, right? That could be a little bit tricky. I understand I won't tell you what the score was, but I'll just leave it there if you were watching that particular game. But, you know, if you're an ambassador for New Zealand in another country, it affects your attitudes, what you speak and what you say, because you want to represent your nation well. Could I suggest to you this morning that we're ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven? So what is our language? What is my language? What is my attitudes? How does that reflect something of what it's like to have the culture of heaven here on earth? So the first uh, thought that I had this morning, we, we talked in this series about what is wisdom, and we talked about there's no shortage of information in the world. It's knowing what to do with that information. And there should be, sorry, Mia, I'm all over the place this morning. There should be a slide up with that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 20 says, Fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. 
And I want to suggest that even when it's talking about the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about, you know, sort of being terrified type fear. It's talking about a reverence or respect that comes from relationship. I imagine in, in this biblical sense that there'll be a sense in which David, you know, there's, there's a, a reverence and a love for mum and dad. Now, mum and dad won't, don't want him to fear him. Well, not most of the time anyway. Not as he's been really naughty, and then only for a short time. I don't imagine you guys could produce a naughty child, could you? Yeah, you, your Norman says, yes, we could. So, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> Sorry to the relatives online. It must have skipped a generation or whatever. I'm not sure how that works out. But we don't want our kids to fear us, but we do want them to have a respect for us. And that's what Proverbs is talking about, having a respect uh, for God. Um, you know, when you, when you see the stars, couldn't see the stars last night. It was just cloud. But you see a, a sense of the wonder and the awesomeness and the majesty of God. First thought I want to share with you is that wisdom is found in the character and nature of God. In fact, right throughout the Old Testament, God is wanting to reveal his wisdom to us. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve knew what it was to walk in the perfect wisdom of God. But because of, of sin, because of them living their individualistic lives, that individualism, you can eat all of the trees in the Garden of Eden except one. It's a bit like me saying, you can think about anything that you want to think about this morning, except butterflies. Don't you think about butterflies, not even for a moment, not even if monarchs are endangered, don't you think about butterflies, you can think about anything else but not butterflies. So where does your mind go? Butterflies. And it was like that in the Garden of Eden. But God's heart was to share wisdom, how to live life and live life well, how to steward creation and steward creation well. And so they lost that wisdom. And then we see right throughout the Old Testament, again and again, a demonstration of how human beings could not live in God's wisdom. And so we come to the New Testament, and then we see God sent his wisdom is in a person, in Jesus, a human being, fully God, fully man, dwelling amongst us. The wisdom of God is dwelling with human beings. That must have been amazing. And then Jesus dies, is resurrected, ascended to heaven, the price of human sin is dealt with, the barrier is removed, but Jesus and the Father send the Holy Spirit, and now the wisdom of God indwells us by his Spirit. So when you read the scriptures, you know, don't read them like an instruction manual. I try to think, you know, it's like I said to Gillian the other day, I get her to write things down, because when she's not there, it's like, how do you make wholemeal bread in the bread maker, you know? How does that work? And I could think, I could get Gillian to write down all the instructions that I need, just like David, when he's old enough, could say, hey, mum and dad, can you write down everything that I will need for life? You know, how you, how you use the washing machine, how, you know, all of it, the microwave, how you tie your shoes. But how much better to know mum and dad's character and nature and to be able to think in those situations, what would mum and dad do? I'm going to do what they do. And so when you read the scriptures, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal God's wisdom to you. Because the Bible is there to reveal the character and nature of God. It's to show us what does the culture of heaven look like here on earth. Don't, don't reduce it to a set of rules and regulations. It's to reveal something of the Father's heart. And when David knows mum's and dad's heart, that is amazing. That is the best gift that they can give him. When we know the heart of the Father... When we know Jesus' heart, when we acknowledge the Holy Spirit at work within us, that is God's wisdom being revealed in us. 
So that's the first thought this morning. James chapter 1 and verse 5 to 8 says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is, a, is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are unstable in everything they do. So we need to know God's wisdom. We need to know that revelation. I remember um, when Catherine grew up, when she was 12, we talk about our three years from hell, if you know something of our story, when our daughter would start to climb out windows and every window that she climbed out, I'd put a window stay until the window stays on all the windows and she would still escape from home. And she was living rough on the streets in Wellington. I remember breaking into abandoned buildings and stealing her stuff before someone else stole her stuff. And she and her mates would live in old garages under you know, workbenches where there was waste oil and, and diesel and, and that have candles for, a, you know, to, for illumination. So it was a nightmare time in our lives. And many Friday nights, we would walk the streets of Wellington. I think there are more wet nights in Wellington on Friday night than any other day of the week, you know that? Or it seemed that way. And we would walk the streets of Wellington. And the story came to mind of the prodigal son. And the wisdom that God placed in our hearts at that time was that unconditional love of the Father will break down all barriers. So we'd walk the streets of Wellington and, and her mates would kind of, you know, they would text each other and say, hey, mum and dad are looking for you, you better hide. And so we would look and spend a couple of hours looking for her and then we'd go and list her as a missing person. We had the forms filled out in advance just to fill in the time. So we listed her as a missing person over 20 times. And, um, and it was just a nightmare. But what got us through was God's love, unconditional love for us and the wisdom that we understood that we are to take that unconditional love and to exercise it with our daughter. Friends, that kind of wisdom comes out of relationship. In those times of crisis, it's not just enough to kind of read a verse and try and stand on it. You need to know something of the character and nature of the Father who formed and fashioned those, those verses through the human agents that wrote them down. And I stand here, and Gillian would stand here if she was here and say, we can testify that unconditional love won our daughter over. She's 28 now. And, um, you know, we're the, we're the best of friends, and she's on that journey back to faith in Christ. But it's unconditional love that touched her heart and won her over. Kids used to say, why do your mum and dad come every Friday night to search the streets of Wellington? And we had Christian friends who came with us and supported us on that journey. It wasn't just us, it was the body of Christ with us. And so, oh, I don't know, that's just what they do. They're Christians, you know. The unconditional love of the Father. So understand that wisdom is found in the character and nature of God. And in those times in your life when life doesn't make sense, don't just go to the scriptures as a rule book to find, you know, what, what should I do or what shouldn't I do or how close do I get before I cross the line? Allow the scriptures to reveal to you the Father's unconditional love for you. In fact, I really felt this morning that, uh, or today, there are people that God is wanting to speak to about the unconditional love of the Father for you. The second thought I want to share this morning is wisdom's found in the great commandment in the Great Commission. Now, sometimes I think we make it really difficult for ourselves, and Scripture has given us some principles to live by. The first is the, the great commandment. Remember when Jesus was asked and, uh, by, the, by the Pharisees, and they said, 
Jesus, of all the Old Testament law, and the Jews had added a whole lot of extra to the Ten Commandments, so there was something like over 500 things that you, that you should adhere to if you're a good Jewish person. Things like not spitting on the ground because the dust might roll over, and that was like plowing the fields, and all sorts of other things. So of all of those, Jesus, which is the most important? Do you remember what Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. And friends, a lot of the time when we need wisdom in our lives, it can come down to that. I often ask myself these two questions. If you're online, I suggest you ask yourself these two questions. Is the decision that I'm going to make help myself and others grow in their relationship with God? And am I about to do something? I'm about to treat the other person as I would like to be treated. I remember when we were tossing up whether to adopt our daughter Catherine. And, and so our profile is in with lots of other people's profiles. And Nikki, Catherine's birth mum, is trying to decide, you know, who's going to adopt um, this baby. And you kind of hope, but you don't hope too much. You know, it's that cycle. If, you've, if you're struggling with infertility this morning, um, I'd love to pray with you afterwards. We know what that cycle is of hope and disappointment, hope and disappointment, hope and disappointment. And, and it was kind of like that. We wanted to hope, but we didn't want to hope too much and be disappointed again. And in the midst of all of that, just saying, God, yes, we believe that you want us to do this because we believe, Lord, that in our family she'll come and take steps towards you. She'll come to know you. And we really felt that was what God was asking us in that season of our lives. Some of you looking for God's wisdom. Could it be that God's revealing his wisdom to you? If you would love God with all of your heart and soul and mind, what does that look like for you? And if you have loved others in your world as you yourself would like to be loved. And the second is the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. These will be on the screen for you. And it says, you know, go into all the world and make disciples. I've been given authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you, even to the end of the age. You know, we're not all called to be evangelists, but we are all called to be witnesses. And your story and my story can help someone take another step in their journey of faith. I love this next scripture from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. God made everything beautiful in its own time. He planted eternity in the hearts of men. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. But they can when you share something of your story. When I share something of my story, when we share something of God's story, it helps people take a step on that journey to faith in Jesus. I remember once um, in Christchurch, we were asked as a church if we would go to Papua New Guinea. And uh, Papua New Guinea has been part of our movement for years until it became an autonomous church in its own right. And this is up to the highlands of Papua New Guinea. Well, I was keen to go there in the natural because the highlands of Papua New Guinea is like the Garden of Eden. Oh, my goodness. Two crops of beans a year, two crops of, of you know, everything a year. You name it, tomatoes, whatever. Amazing. So I was in my happy place. And so we went up to Mount Hagen in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. I don't know, it's eight or 9,000 metres above sea level. Incredible place. And all I had to go on, I felt the Holy Spirit say, just go and walk amongst the people and you'll know whether you're supposed to do this. 
And so I'm expecting great revelation from God. You know, it's quite a way to, to go to Mount Hagen. So you're there, and, uh, and I was walking amongst the people, and the Holy Spirit just dropped into my spirit. Michael, why wouldn't you do this? Wasn't the answer I was looking for. But Michael, if you can share something of the good news of Jesus that will help these people come to faith in Christ, why wouldn't you do this? And so we've been going up to Papua New Guinea over a number of years, not since COVID, because about 90% of the highlands of Papua New Guinea became Christian uh, through the efforts of New Zealand and Australians evangelising the highlands of Papua New Guinea. But now there's a next generation that need to catch hold of the good news of Jesus. So Michael, why wouldn't you go there and share something of the goodness and faithfulness of Jesus? Why wouldn't you share something of your story and something of God's story? And friends, I want to leave that with you when we're thinking about the wisdom of God. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I share something of my story, something of your story, something of God's story that'll help people take another step on that journey? I felt there's someone online, I'm not sure whether you're in Pakistan, because I hadn't kind of put my head together we're in Pakistan today, or whether you're in Aotearoa, New Zealand, or somewhere else. But I just felt that God wanted to encourage you that you're feeling... Uh, discouraged because you've got a loved one. I had in mind a teenage boy, but I'm not sure that's a Michael thought or a God thought. Um, but you're discouraged because you don't see them coming to faith in Jesus. And I just felt Holy Spirit was saying, your job is just to help them take another step. You may never see them come to faith in Christ, but God will bring other people into their lives to help them to take a step. And it's a journey to come to faith in Jesus. And I just felt the Holy Spirit was saying, just enjoy your stage of the journey and trust God for the rest of the journey. The third thought I wanted um, to share this morning, the third theme that really came through these messages, that wisdom is found in how we use our time. In Ecclesiastes, it talks about a fleeting moment, like a, you know, a puff of wind, a vapour, something that's here today and gone tomorrow. And the word for today, Jillian and I were, were reading it recently, and it talked about two pillars. It talked about the pillar of prayer, and it talked about the pillar of Scripture. And I think most of us know how to read the Bible, right? And, and most of us know how to pray. But it's, I think it's time, isn't it? it? It's time to read the Bible and time to pray. I remember when Jillian and I went to parenting seminars. Anyone been to, to parenting seminars where they teach you how to be a good parent, and then you come home and put it into practice, and you think... No, my daughter's not reacting how they said she would in the seminar. <laughs> yes, I think we've been there and done that. And in the seminars, they talked about quality time and quantity time. And sometimes I think it's like that in our Christian lives. We think, well, I'm giving God, you know, quality time. And that's good. Maybe you've got a favorite chair and you open the scriptures with a cup of coffee or perhaps you're driving to work and you put a devotion on in the radio while you're driving to work or maybe you're doing the school run and you listen to a devotional thought on the way home. And all of those things are good. But there's still a need not only to have quality time but also to have quantity time. And how do we find that? You know, is it mowing the lawns? Um, is it driving and listening to something? What does that look like for you? I remember we had little kids. The only, only time that Jillian had quantity time was pegging out the washing on the line. So that's taking a long time to get the washing on the line. It was the only time that she got to herself. Or parents with young kids locking yourself in the bathroom just so that you, you, know, you get a bit of quantity time as well as quality time. We've all done that. And in relationships, 
Sometimes I hear couples say, sometimes Jill and I hear couples say, well, we don't spend a lot of time together, but when we do spend time together, it's quality time. And quality time is fantastic, but you also need as a couple, if you're going to get to know one another, you also need that quantity time as well. And so how do we spend our time? What does that look like? How do we give God not only quality time, but quantity time? How do you put that into your day? Do you go for a walk and pray? We've just got a, a new baby in our family. His name's Harley, named after my middle name. And um, he has four legs and a tail. He's a miniature schnauzer, and he's 16 weeks, and he's very, very cute. And one of the reasons we got him is because he looks at you and says, I'm ready for a walk. Are you? And I love to walk and pray. But sometimes I have the, you know, I, I, have, the I have the quality time, but not the quantity time. But Harley's always up for a walk, and so, well, not too much yet because, you know, he's only 16 weeks, but he will be, and off he goes, and it's, it's just keeping me accountable to walk and to pray at the gym. You know, it's a great time to be able to, 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 uh, to do the gym and to pray. That's as long as you can breathe. Sometimes at the gym, that's, you know, do I breathe or do I do the exercises? You know, it's kind of, can be a hard choice some days. But where are those times that you get those quantity times with God? as well as those quality times with God. So wisdom is how we use our time. I love that thought in the scriptures that God has given us enough time. In Ecclesiastes, it talks about a time for every season under heaven. There's enough time for you and I to do what God has called us to do. So how do we do that? The tyranny of the urgent and the important. You know, what is, it seems urgent in my life, but it's not actually important in my life in distinguishing those things putting the big rocks in place. The fourth thought for this morning is that wisdom is built on solid foundations. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 to 27, it was shared in the series about you know, building a house on a rock instead of sand. In Eureka Road where we live, at our end of Eureka Road, there's 0.3 of a metre of peat. At the other end of Eureka Road, down by Holland Road, there's 6 metres of peat. Now imagine if we were going to build a house, the same house, at, at our end of, the, of Eureka Road, and then imagine if we used the same kind of foundations down the other end, the Holland Road end, where there's six metres of peat. You could think, oh, I've seen the geotech report, but I'm not paying another 50000 just to have foundations that you can't even see. The house is the same, same number of bedrooms, same number of bathrooms, it looks the same. What's going to happen when the storms come? It's not going to last. And I think wisdom is just knowing what foundations we're building upon. Are those foundations solid? And those foundations I think the scriptures talk about is our obedience. Am I being obedient to what God's asking me to do in this season of my life? Someone said, you know whether you're being obedient or not when someone asks you to do something and you don't do it. Like, I know when I'm being obedient to Jillian, when she asks me to do something, I think, oh, I don't want to do that. But I suck it up and I do it anyway. Anyone else identify with that? No? You're not putting your hand up for that one. That's, that's wisdom right there, isn't it? Could be taken down and used in evidence against you. Absolutely. So what foundations are we building in our lives? The great thing is, when God is talking to me about something, there's God's grace is there. I remember that God really spoke to me about apologizing to Gillian. I knew it was of God because I never would have thought of it myself. Because <laughs> you've probably heard the story. It's a bad night if I can't get to sleep in three seconds. 
You know, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's two, but it's a really bad night if it's over three. So Jillian and I, if we had an argument, then I could just off to sleep. But she would stay awake for hours. And um, the Holy Spirit got to me over that and said, Michael, you really need to apologise. We, we learnt that that scripture about don't let the sun go down on your wrath, that 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock is not a great time to sort everything out. We're not at our best then, but we could apologise and say, hey, sorry for crosswords that have been said. Um, can we make a time within the next 24 hours to sit down and work through this issue? And so God spoke to me about that, and as I responded in obedience, there was God's grace to be able to do that, and there was a new intimacy that came into our relationship. Now, God will do that in your relationship with him. As the Holy Spirit is bringing some conviction about areas in your life and my life that need to change, that there might be a solid foundation because when the storms come, if the foundation isn't there, if I'm building on six feet of peat with the same foundation as like 0.03 metres of peat, the house might look good above the ground, but it's a coming down. And so I want to encourage you, if you feel that the Holy Spirit is, is convicting you of something, God's grace is there. It's not about you trying harder. It's about the God's grace to enable you to build solid foundations in that areas of your life. And the last, and I'm thinking especially about David this morning, is about leaving a legacy. Wisdom is about leaving a legacy. I don't know a lot about your family backgrounds, but just the snippet, it seems like there's a wonderful legacy in your family. I know a little bit more about Kay's family than Norman's family, but a wonderful legacy over generations. And David will be another generation of that legacy. How amazing is that? And wisdom is about building a legacy. I love the thought that wisdom is a pathway rather than a single event. Wisdom is much more than when you get it right or wrong. Wisdom is about when you're getting it wrong and you ask for God's forgiveness and you make a change in that area of your life. You know, a legacy is made up of decisions, a pathway of rights and wrongs, but honouring God in the rights and the wrongs. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I've, I've mucked this up. You know, I've ruined it. But God delights to take the things that seem foolishness to the world and to build into something of eternal value. So right. wisdom is a legacy. I love the scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. She, wisdom, will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Verse 18. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. When Jill and I went to Bible college, it didn't seem like wisdom. We both had great jobs. In fact, we were living off one salary and saving the other to buy a house. That was in the days when you could still buy a house when you were first married. And, um, and now it's, it's harder, but it's still possible. Great to hear couples in our church family who are buying homes. And, um, you know, in the midst of that, we were going to Bible college. We were there for three years. There was, was no income apart from what we could earn in our holidays. There were no student allowances available. And it just didn't make good economic sense. But I felt God saying at the time, Michael, it's about leaving a legacy. And I felt the Holy Spirit really challenged me and said, Michael, you can provide for yourself or you can let me provide for you. Right. And it took a little while to sink through, but in the end I thought, God, your provision or my provision? Yeah. It's hard, but I'm going to trust in your provision. Yeah. And I want to encourage you to have a long-term view. You're leaving a legacy. 
Kay and Norman are leaving a legacy. David is going to leave a legacy. Norman, your, your generations before you have left a legacy that you walk in. Kay, the generations before you have left a legacy that you walk in. Friends, it's not about getting a decision right or wrong. It's about being there on this pathway, this journey. And it's about trusting God in the midst of the journey. My time's almost gone this morning. I feel it vibrating on my wrist. So um, let me just summarise this, this series on wisdom with these five principles. And I hope there may be one of them that resonates more for you than the others. So whatever kind of resonates for you, whatever God's highlighting, there will be God's grace to respond in that area. So as I read through these, just think of maybe one area where the Holy Spirit's talking to you about to build this wisdom into your life. So wisdom is found in the character and nature of God. The scriptures are marvelous and they contain you know, so much wisdom for us. But understand the wisdom is because the character and nature of God is being revealed to us. So don't just read as a textbook. Allow it to fill you with a sense of wonder and awe that the creator of the universe walks with you. That Jesus died and rose again and ascended. That you would be set free from your sin. I'd be set free from my sin. That the Holy Spirit indwells us that we might live in wisdom, that when we open the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us God's truth to us. Wisdom is found in the great commandment and the great commission. Life is much easier if we just remember to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind, to love others as we would like to be loved, and to go into all the world and share our story and share God's story so that people can take a step towards Jesus on their journey. Wisdom is found in how we use our time. There's enough time. But with God, it's not only quality time, it's also quantity time. So what does that look like for you? How can you make that work? Wisdom is built on solid foundations, and solid foundations are created in our lives when we're obedient to what God's asking us to do. There's a Holy Spirit speaking to you about something, not to make life difficult for you, but because He wants your life built on that solid foundation of Jesus. And lastly, wisdom leaves a legacy. It's about generations, friends. You know, we've been on this journey for over 2,000 years. God's a generational God. Think of that. I think it's a lovely prophetic picture of Norman and Kay and David. A generational legacy that he will walk in. The generational legacy that they walk in. What does it look like for us to bring something of the culture of heaven from heaven to earth, that people might see that Jesus is alive and well.